dive in um, tonight and read a scripture in just a second. But today is November the 1st. And for many, it is the first day. Well, it's, it's that day for all of us. But um, we observe, we, we think about this month being the Thanksgiving month. And uh, many have designated this month as a time where they take each and every day and they go through each and every day and they list or they remember or they declare things uh, that they are thankful for. Anybody seen this? Anybody do this? Uh, there's something about the fact that when we get to November, it becomes the time that everybody starts to give thanks. If you are out there in the social um, stratosphere, you may have noticed friends today on maybe your Facebook or your Instagram or whatever social media platform you use participating in this. Many showing gratitude or giving thanks for various things in their life. Um, I opened up mine this morning and I saw a few posts. These were some of the things I saw this morning. I began Thanksgiving month by saying I'm thankful for my health. I mean, you're thankful for that today. Be a good thing to post, right? Another one of my friends wrote this. I join with countless others today by taking time to give thanks for God's goodness. Today, I thank him for my family. Anybody thankful for your family tonight? Amen. Good stuff. Another one I saw today, some of you might recognize this because she might be on your friends list too. Day one, thankful that God opened my eyes today. Did anybody see that one today? Sister Doris put that up. Amen. Praise God. And so as I was reading these things and seeing this stuff, it began working on my spirit as I read some of these and the Lord began to deal with my spirit about the power of just being thankful. And uh, as I continued to think about those things and meditate on that and talk with the Lord, the Lord dropped this in my spirit. Thanksgiving is not a one-way street. Now, you have to understand how the Lord impresses me when it's my time and my turn to talk. But if you will indulge me tonight, I'd like to use that little thing he dropped on me today as my subject for this lesson. Thanksgiving is not a one-way street. I'm convinced tonight, and I pray that you will be too, that by the end of tonight's lesson, that genuine thanksgiving is the key to unlock God's unlimited favor and blessings into our lives. Um, I believe tonight wholeheartedly I was taught this, and I believe it as sure as I'm standing here tonight, that we never advance beyond our current level of thanksgiving. I'll say that again. We never advance beyond our current level of thanksgiving. And because of that tonight, many are locked up and many are stagnant and many have putrid spirits because they have lost this most fundamental element in their relationship with God. Let me read a scripture so I can build on a proper foundation tonight. And you won't say he just got up and told us what he thought, but we can put it in context with the word of the Lord tonight. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. One of the fundamental things that we must establish tonight is a common reason that why so many are so unthankful and why so many get stuck in seasons 
and in places and in situations where they simply can't find God at all, and it seems to get really ugly really fast, is they just don't have a true understanding of this scripture. I submit to you tonight that if thankfulness unlocks his favor, then it would stand to reason that unthankfulness would, at the very least, slow it down. And many tonight are held captive and are struggling with their walk with God and with their relationship with God because their focus has been distorted. Notice what the apostle said. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, give thanks. See, you've got to understand and learn tonight that you may not always be walking in your perfect where, but you are always walking with the perfect who. It might not be great, and it might not be exactly like I want it, but as long as I'm walking with him, I've got some assurances. And the enemy works to get our focus on our current where and off of our constant who, because he knows when your focus is clear, it really doesn't matter where I'm walking. I know it's going to be all right because of who is with me. And the best way to make you forget about the who that's walking with you is just to get you centered and focused on the you that's doing the walking. That's why Paul went further and wrote to Timothy. Listen to this very powerful discourse. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1 said it like this. This note also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. This is what he was saying. You're not always going to like the way things are going. Anybody reading the newspaper today? Um, anybody feel like we might be in a mess in this world today? Anybody discern, because we're all very spiritual, that we might need a little help in this world today? Here's what last days perilous times will look like verse 2 for men shall be lovers of their own selves focus problem covetous give me boasters look at me proud do you see me right it's focus blasphemers he can't add anything to me. Disobedient to parents, don't tell me. And here's where it shifts and where all of that focus on me lands us. See, it started with perilous times. It started with undesired seasons. It started with unplanned disruptions and trouble that got things uh, focused on me, and it, it started me looking more inward and stopped me from looking upward. And because it wasn't like I thought it should be, this is what happened to me. I became, the rest of that scripture, unthankful. Which led me to be unholy. Which resulted in without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, they still think they're all right, but denying the power thereof. My favor and my blessing isn't on them. And he said, Timothy, from those kind, get as far away as you can go. And this is the why, verse number nine. Because they shall proceed no further. 
Situations came, perilous times came, trouble came, and it changed their focus. It got it off of me, and it put it on them, and it led to all of this terrible junk that we see. And the end result is they become unthankful and unholy and all of these evil, unspeakable things, and their progress stops. They're stuck. They're stagnant. They're arrested. What are you saying, Brother Hodge? I'm telling you, your progress in the kingdom stops when the enemy steals your thankfulness, when he gets you focused on you and not on him. Why? Because it's in everything that we give thanks. God, I don't like this sickness, but thank you for holding my hand through it. I don't like this storm, but thank you for riding the waves of it with me. I don't like my current path, but thank you that I can look over and I can see that you're walking right beside me through it. We don't give thanks for everything, just thanks in everything. When I see it in the Lord shall be light unto me. Hard to be thankful in the dark, but thankful we know the rest of the story, that he shall be the light that we need in the darkness. Though I walk through the valley, hard to be very thankful when you're going through that valley, but thankfully we know the rest thou art with me. I might not like it all the time, but thank God I'm not in it by myself. Aren't you just thankful for that today, that we are not doing this thing on our own, but he has promised that he is with us through it all. I've had some things, and you have too, that I couldn't thank God for. But oh, how thankful I was that he was in it. Because this is the thing tonight. God is moved by our gratitude. He is truly touched when we are thankful. And he performs for us when he receives our praise. Our gratitude, our thankfulness, our praise are a direct result of our understanding, not of where we are, but of who he is. And our choice to be thankful that we are faithful to him and we are offering these things to him no matter what he does. Amen? David said it better than anyone. And the epitome of thanksgiving can be found in King David. He made some tragic errors. You want to get your magnifying glass out and scrutinize his life, you might come across some things that would make you cringe. He made some very tragic errors, some terrible, horrific mistakes. He faced some very terrifying adversaries, some that would have made many throw in the towel and run and just quit. He did a lot of things that probably he wished he could have time to take back. But one thing that he did do that was right was he captured the heart of God. Because the scripture does say that he was a man after God's own heart. And it's not because he was perfect. Oh, man, if we could ever get released from that. That's not what it means to be a person after God's own heart is to do everything just right. That's another message for another night. He didn't always do the right thing. But this is what he did do that was right. He approached every day with a right spirit. Psalm 118.24. We love this scripture. We've used it often. This is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's David. 
That's the spirit in which he approached every day. I might have made a mess of yesterday. I might have done some things that they're going to check me off and write me off, and all the really religious folks are going to say, put an X on him. He's in the ditch. There ain't no coming back for him. But context, a few verses earlier, this is what he was saying. The Lord is my strength, and he is my song. He has become my salvation. I shall not die, but I will live, and I will declare his works. Oh, yeah, for all you fair weather folk, he whipped me pretty good. He, he chastised me. He, he let me know that he wasn't pleased with some of those things that I did that y'all are still judging me about what I did. He, he, he took care of that. I still say he's my strength and he's my song. I still say he's become my salvation. I still say I'm going to live and not die. I still say I'm going to declare his works. But just so you know, he did get on to me for what I did. But then he said this, but he didn't give up on me. Oh, you know why he didn't give up on me? This is what David was saying, because some gave up on him. He was rejected by many, but that one has become my chief cornerstone. Remember that scripture? The, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief of the corner. That came from David. He said some rejected him, but he's become the chief cornerstone in my life. He's the anchor of everything. He did all of this, the blessing and the correcting, but it all worked together for my Good. And he said these words, I find it marvelous. When he was correcting me and when he was encouraging me, no matter what season I was in, I found out that the Lord is good. Therefore, this is the day that he has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Whatever he decides, whatever he sees fit, I'm okay with it. Just going to rejoice and be glad. Some people might be mad. Some people might not like it, but that's all right. You go ahead and do you, but as for me, I found him faithful. As for me, I found him good, and I just choose to make this a new day and understand that I can give him praise even in the midst of some of my mistakes. This is how you do that. You get to the place where David was when you understand Thanksgiving is a matter of decision and a matter of choice. I may not get to choose the events of the day, but I can choose my response to the day. And this is what it did for David. It opened up heavens. It unlocked God's favor on him because Thanksgiving is not a one-way street. Listen to what God said about David. This is, this is so awesome, and it might be a verse that you have maybe overlooked in all of your reading and never really realized this was there. But this is what the Lord said about David. Psalms 89, 23. I will beat down his foes before his face. Yeah, I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them who hate him. Let me break this verse down just a little bit because hmm, I like the way that appears on the surface. I'm not a violent person, but, but sometimes a, a good beat down is good to see. Y'all ain't been where I've been on the playground and watched them bullies push and push and push 
and push until that pushed one finally had enough. Come on now. Uh, sometimes it ain't a bad thing to watch. So I like how it appears on the surface. I really like that's in your Bible. That's King James. That ain't another version for all the King James folks. I mean, it, it basically says, mess with me. And God's going to get you. Just come on and mess with me. And God is going to take care of you. That's what it says on the surface. We could shout about that. I, I almost could just rear back and preach on that a little bit. But it covers a little more than we may realize because I went a little deeper into it today. And that word foes there doesn't just mean people are enemies of the flesh or even the devil and enemies of the spirit. But this is what God was talking about when he said, I will beat down his foes. It also means distresses. It means straits. It means tights. It means narrow places or small places. It means sorrows and fears and worries and anxieties. God wasn't just talking about those people that would rise up in David's face. God was talking about all that other stuff that he was going to battle and he was going to face that sometimes we don't even see all of the fear and all the frustration and all the trouble and all the struggle and all the things that we go through and we wonder, Lord, are you even in the room? Let me get to the good part face there doesn't just mean David's face, like where his eyes sit, like this, what they take the picture of, the selfie of, but it speaks to his position. I don't know if you got what I was trying to preach Sunday, but that word keeps finding me lately, and, and let me just pause to say this to you and to this great church. God is trying to call us all into position. But you can't truly operate in, in your true purpose until you align in the proper position. God's got to fix your thinking. God's got to fix your spirit. God's got to fix some things and get you in the right position so that he can release you into the purpose that he's got on you. Let me stay on task. I preached way too long on that on Sunday. Face. Face. That word face there. It deals with everything that will come against David. Either from the rear or from the front. It reaches even beyond scope like into your past or way out ahead of you into your future. God wasn't just saying, I'll whip everyone that David sees that is opposing him. But he said, I'll step into the past of a praiser. I'll step into the future of a worshiper. I'll walk the length of the life of someone who can give me genuine thanksgiving. And I'll crush every trial. I'll crush every struggle. I'll crush every enemy and every destruction on their behalf because thanksgiving opens up the avenue of blessings to flow back toward the one that chooses to walk in it. You just thought that was a good verse about God having your back. He's got more than your back. If you can become a worshiper and you can become someone that's full of thanksgiving no matter what the day may bring and unfold, God not only walks back and fixes the things that should erect you, but he walks before you and he fixes the things that are lying in front of you because God is going to make sure that those that have genuine thanksgiving are rewarded for their right and proper focus of his goodness. Goodness and his glory towards them.
he was recorded, David was recorded as saying Psalm 119, 164, that really, really long book with all those verses in your Bible. He said this, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. I don't praise you because everything's perfect. I praise you because you're righteous. I praise you because you make the calls in my life. 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. Your judgments, your decisions, your government in my life, the direction you chose for me to go, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing you see fit for me to face, nothing you see fit for me to go into, nothing you choose for me, God. When I've got this right spirit, can offend me. You show me somebody that's truly thankful for the goodness and the mercy and the glory and the work of the Lord in their life. I'll tell you, I'll show you someone you can't run out of the church no matter what happens. Because they don't get mad and they don't get offended and they don't get upset with all the little things that get a hold of people that hadn't figured it out yet. I praise him because of his righteous judgments. I praise him because he knows me and he knows where to lead me and he knows how to guide me and he knows where he's taking me. It won't cause me to stumble. It won't cause me to fall. It won't steal my decision. This is still the day. Rejoice, and I will be glad. And that's the power of thanksgiving. It stirs God to action on your behalf. I hope this is okay tonight. It releases the unfailing power of God to work wonders in your life. It empowers you to scale to higher heights because as you send those praises toward them, he releases his will towards you. It's not a one-way street. God's will for David was released to David when he chose every day to give God praise. I'm teaching tonight to us, if we want God's will in our life, if we want God's will in our families, if we want God's will in our church, we must be a people filled with thanksgiving, filled with wonder of him, filled with praise because it is our thanksgiving for what he has already done that will unlock what he intends to do going forward. We use this verse when speaking of given, giving most often and, and primarily monetarily. But it is the principle of honor or thanksgiving or trust that buys the promise. Here's the wise counsel of Solomon. He said this, Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And then there was a colon. Colon connects things together. I, I, I used to teach English before they threw me out in the gym. Colon means I'm not finished. There's more to this, all right? Colon. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. Colon. Next, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Until you are thankful with what you are given first. Until you show gratitude for what he has already done, you turn that colon into a period. 
you turn that colon into a into a stopping point and the verse stops for you right there and it becomes what it was for many people it's just a requirement it's just a rule it's just something that the Bible tells me I got to do. It's another one of those things that I just got to do. When you don't approach it in the right way. Isn't that how most all the things that the Lord asks us to do, isn't that mostly the way we lose the joy and the benefit of them? We start looking at them like a bunch of you got to do's instead of I get to do. Oh, hallelujah. And that's why some aren't blessed. Because we missed the point. Because if you lose the honor in the verse, or the thanksgiving in the verse, or the attitude of gratitude, and it just becomes a command, and it just becomes a law you are trying to obey, you lose the so. That follows. Because thanksgiving isn't a one-way street. Honor me and you won't be in need. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst with new wine. It's how I live. It affects the abundance that I live in. It's how I approach the things that God asks of me. As to what comes back to me. And it's tied to my level of thanksgiving. Here are a few principles of thanksgiving. And I'm done tonight. I'm getting out of here. Even if I'm before our time. I promise you. Thanksgiving unlocks great multiplication in your life. God will accelerate to you everything you need once you learn to give thanks for what you already have. No greater example of this can be found than in the example of the loaves and the fishes. Jesus had a multitude to feed. A whole bunch of folks was hungry. They had been listening to him and he was doing a good job and he was doing all right, but they was people and they was flesh and their bellies was telling them it's about lunchtime. And um, even Jesus had to contend with that. It was getting close to lunchtime and they was hungry. Um, he, he, had, he had a whole, whole bunch of people to feed. His disciples were worried to a frazzle. They were looking at their bank account and they were counting money and they were only coming up with the realization that they were incredibly short of what was needed to go get some Popeyes for everybody. I thought I would make sure everybody's awake tonight. They were looking for resources only to judge what they could find as inadequate. Even the things they went looking for, they weren't looking for it really hoping to find a solution. They were looking for it to find an excuse. We just ain't got what we need to have. It ain't enough. But the scripture, if you read that, <laughs> he was testing them. The actual word that he used was prove. Because in the economy of the kingdom, this is what you got to know. God doesn't test you to fail you. He tests you to prove something to you. You thought the test was like was in school where you either got all the answers right and you passed it or you, or you failed it. But God's tests don't come like that. He's not interested in failing you. And if we could ever settle that, it'd make this walk with him a whole lot more easy. It's like I said Sunday, God is for you. He ain't interested in failing you. But he is concerned with proving to you that he's got you. The scripture said he already knew what he was going to do. 
He just wants to see what they was going to do. I know what I'm going to do. Let me see what you're going to do. We got hungry folks. We ain't got no money. We ain't got no food. We are severely lacking in the have department and really in abundance of the need department. But he was about to show them when you link thanks and praise with what you have, God can multiply it beyond your current condition. Let me just stop and say to somebody tonight, stop living to God by what you see in the natural. Turn it over to him. Give him what you've got in a spirit of thanksgiving. And I'm telling you tonight, it will release the supernatural multiplying power of God in your life. I don't know who needed that, but I felt like tonight somebody needs to stop measuring what you have and saying it ain't enough and just say, thank you, Lord, that I've got somewhere to start. And if I'll give you thanks, you can get in the midst of what I've got and you can make it not only enough, but more than enough. Because God wants to prove something to you, but you've got to put what you have into his hands. And just step back and be thankful that he's there so that he can bless it for you. Moving on, Thanksgiving turns healing into wholeness. Y'all know the story. The young lad had the had the loaves and fishes, and they found it, and when it got in Jesus' hand and he began to give thanks for it, what didn't seem like enough to them became more and abundance. God multiplied what they had when they had the proper perspective of who they were giving it to. So do that in your life, and you'll see God began to step in and multiply. Thanksgiving turns healing into wholeness. Healing into wholeness. Luke 17 records the story. Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, and as he is going through Samaria, he encounters a group of lepers. Ten of them. Ten lepers. Funny story, I had a friend preach for 45 minutes one night on the ten lepers. True story. It was the ten lepers. We've had fun with that for years. Ten, leap, ten lepers. He got me doing it now. Ten lepers. They were standing outside of their city. They were keeping their distance. They were so trained not to get close to people that when they saw Jesus, they didn't even move toward him. They just started yelling. Hey, Jesus. Master, thou son of David, have mercy on us. They didn't walk over to him. They didn't move from where they were. They didn't make great advancements visibly toward them. But they just simply lift up their voice and they ask for mercy. Let me just insert this in here. Be careful that you don't get so focused on seeing someone move towards him that you judge them and miss them crying out for his mercy because Jesus hears their cry and simply answers to them and they are still there stuck where the world has told them you're stuck stuck where the rules and the law had regulated them to stand they were so fearful of what it all meant that they couldn't even move out of place and move toward Jesus. All they had faith to do was muster up a, hey, can you help me? Ah, I got to move on. Jesus heard their cry, and this is what he said to them. Go show yourself to the priest. Now they have a word. They hadn't had nothing before. They'd just been regulated off to the side like a bunch of outcasts. You got to stand over here because you're bad and you're contaminated and we don't want you with us. So you're out and not in. And they 
were able to get his attention. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. And now they got more than they ever had. They got a word. But the word requires faith. Faith wasn't exercised as they heard the word. Faith was exercised when they began to walk in the word. Because the scripture said, verse 14, as they went, they were cleansed. I am convinced even with a word, they could have stayed there and still been lepers. But a word was enough. A word bought enough thanksgiving. A word bought enough obedience that they moved. And the scripture said, as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Verse 16. Fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Verse 17, Jesus said, my words, wasn't there 10 of you? Where's the rest of them? Where's everybody else? Only this many showed up to be thankful for the word that I just released to you to take you out of a stuck stagnant, dying, broken, messed up situation and only this many could come together, one, he said, but I tell you what, it's all right. Get up. Go on about your life. Do the things you want to do. Do what they said you couldn't do. Get out of that colony of losers because your faith has made you whole. Here's the principle in that. The other nine were healed, but only one would be truly restored because thanksgiving isn't a one-way street. When you're thankful for what he's done and you show him the proper gratitude, he'll go beyond what he's done for others and do for you that the rest of the crowd didn't get. See, leprosy was something. It caused the loss of extremities. Some of them had already lost fingers. Some of them may have been missing the tips of their nose or the tips of their ears because leprosy had been eating on them for so long and though they were cleansed they were still going to walk around with the reminders of where they had been and the scars of what they had lived through but this one who took an attitude of gratitude and found his way back and said Lord I'm thankful for what you've done I see that you've cleansed me but I just got to stop before I go on about my business and give you some real thanks and some real praise. He put those fingers back and he put that nose back and he put those ears back and nobody was even the wiser that that person had ever been in that condition in the first place. I'm telling you, he can take you and restore you to a place that nobody will even know your backstory. If you knew where some of us had come from, oh, but thank God we've given him praise and we've given him glory and we don't come in and we're all scarred up and we're all marked up with the things of this world, but you see somebody that can come in and give him praise. They won't even know where you've been because Thanksgiving will make your past undetectable. And the only way somebody will even know what you've been through is when you give your testimony and you tell them. They won't see scars. It won't be evidence. They won't hardly even believe them when you tell them how good God has been to you because Thanksgiving isn't a one-way street. It releases the blessings of God upon your life. Remember Solomon? I won't go into the full story tonight, but when you get time to read it, visit 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Reacquaint yourself with this story. Solomon had offered 1,000, 1,000, 1,000 
burnt offerings, 1,000. Generous thanksgiving unlocks generous blessings. Some have little because they offer little. Let me move on. He offers up these gifts unto the Lord. It is his form of worship. It is his method of showing thanks. Then the next scripture said, verse 7, he went to sleep. Thankful people usually don't have trouble resting. He thanked God, then he went to sleep. Indicates he didn't give his offering looking for a return. He didn't set all them thousand altars ablaze and put all those things before the Lord and then hang around to see if God's going to do anything with them. He gave it simply because his heart was right. He gave it because he had a right spirit. And after he got it offered, he just laid down and said, In your hands now, Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. But God visited him as he rested. After he worships, see, worship will buy you rest, and rest will steal you for a time of visitation. And God steps in and basically gives Solomon a blank check. I'm hurrying, because when you trust the Lord with what you've got, he'll trust you with what he's got. Solomon didn't try to cash in on the Lord. God was willing to give him anything. He basically said, ask me for what you will. Here's the pen. Write it down. And it almost appears that, that God is almost expecting him to ask for more. So when Solomon asked only to be granted wisdom to lead the people and expressed his thanksgiving for God's trust in him, God said, because you didn't ask for all this other stuff, wealth and riches and honor, I'm going to give you the wisdom that you Ask for, but as a bonus, I'm going to give you all these other gifts as well. Because Thanksgiving isn't a one-way street. Hear me tonight. You can't offer unto God more than he will return back to you. But the key is the spirit in the offering. It must be filled with awe. It must be filled with thanksgiving. It must be filled with praise unto him. I'm closing with this one. Solomon taught us how to release the blessing. And when the temple was finished, fast forward to chapter 5, giving you a lot of homework tonight. Go to chapter 5. They had built it. They had filled it. They had entered it. They furnished it. They did all the things that they were supposed to do. And they did so with great thanks unto the Lord. They were so thankful for the house of God. Oh, if we could get that back in people. Our thankfulness for the house of God. They didn't come in and critique its construction. Come on now. They didn't come in and just marvel at all the beauty and the splendor that God had given them. They didn't look around and wonder, did we spend too much? They didn't enter in and sit quietly on their pew. They didn't enter in and count who was there and who wasn't. They didn't enter in pointing fingers at sinners. But they entered in, according to the scripture, and they began to give thanks. They worshiped. They honored God, and they made the house of God a place of glory and beauty and refuge, so much so that a glory rested on them that was so thick that it was visible. It was so thick that the preacher who had been studying all day and had everything prepared and was ready just had to sit down and say, Lord, you've got it today. You've got the message today. You've got the work that needs to be done in this house. It was so thick that all the flesh had to fall down in worship and adoration to him. It was so thick that everything else just took a back seat. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move through those people and begin to minister to everyone that was in that congregation. Why? Because 
thanksgiving is not a one-way street. I submit to you tonight that if we can get back to a place where it's more than just Facebook posts, where it's more than just saying words, where it's more than just going through the motions, and we can get back the love of the house of God and the things of God and realize that even when the day brings me things that I don't like and I don't understand, I'm going to choose to give him glory. I'm going to choose to rejoice. I'm going to choose to be thankful because I trust him. I'm not offended in anything he decides to lead me into because I've got peace that he knows the way that I should take. And I'm going to be thankful in all things. And it's going to release the glory of God to flow back to me and get me everything that the Lord has intended for me. If you believe that, stand with me. Let's give him some praise tonight. Come on, would you just let him have a little thanksgiving from the fruit of your lips tonight? Would you let something escape out of you that says, Lord, I'm thankful in this season and in this moment. Take me back to a place. Remind me, God, of your goodness. Remind me, God, that even though I may not understand even my situation right now, you are with me and you are leading me and you are guiding me. And I'm just simply going to throw up my hands and say thank you. Thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you that I'm not by myself. Thank you, Lord, that I can come together and feel your glory and presence with people that know you like I do. That's what this thing is about. Thanksgiving is not a one-way street when we can get it truly back locked in our spirit and give God what he so deserves. He's going to open up the blessings of heaven and the windows of heaven on us in ways that we've never seen it before. I believe that tonight with all of my fiber and all of my being. I'm going to purpose in my spirit, not just to make this a season where we talk about it, but a season where I truly find a place to say, God, I can't even count the blessings and the goodness that you have bestowed upon me. Anybody feel that way tonight?